are listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. A level-headed movie critic meets a loudmouth movie cynic. And action! All right, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? Get out! Get out! Again. Again. Get out continued. Why, Kyle? Continually get out. Why a part two to this episode? Because today we have the esteemed pleasure of talking to the Honey Baby joining us today. The Honey Baby in the studio! The Honey Baby! For the first time! Welcome, the Honey Baby. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Honey Baby. Why should we listen to you? Every, Every guest that comes into the studio has a moment where... We let them say anything they want about themselves to let the audience know why they should listen to you, honey baby. You should listen to me because I often disagree with James. (gasps) Shocker. And I'm not afraid to voice that dissent. I do so often, and those conversations usually end with this New Yorker, foul-mouthed New Yorker right to my right with his shocked face right now telling me (laughs) that I'm right. Oh, look at that. Which is why you should listen to me, because I am always right. Always. So I have the the pre-conversations where he just bullshits, and then (laughs) you kind of shape it all together and give it, you know, content and substance. You could say it was just a blob. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, here's here's some more context with with the movie Get Out. We won a double date, right? We did. We did. We double dated to a... nicest... Movie theater in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. The lavish, the lavish movie theater. Yeah. I've well, never, James didn't even use his footrest. I know. That was kind of a, I mean, if you're going to be there, you know. When, is, when in Rome. He didn't right? want to be too comfortable. I need to focus. Put your feet up on the servant. It'll be fine. I can't focus when I'm laying down. <laughs> that was wild. I've never seen that before. No. Reserve seats and everything. Yeah. So we went to the nice theater. We double dated. It was fun. We had nice vegan food. And um, popcorn. Yeah, popcorn, water, any other context needed. And, and a good movie. Yeah. Not too many people there, too. Like a Enough. halfway packed house. It's like halfway, right? I don't know. Oh. We had good energy in the theater. Yes. Good energy. And that was good because this is a, a movie about community and culture and how we communicate and what that's looked like through history. So let's let's break it down. We've already talked a little bit about the movie just overall. We know we know the main plot. It's a thriller. It's a horror film about the divide specifically um, that African-American culture has faced and the whites that have kept them down. And, uh, and it was a good movie overall. So let's break it down, talk about some of the really deep aspects, some of the reasons why I believe this is going to stand the test of time for a long time and will be for a long time. How long is the test of time when people say that? <laughs> is it eternal? It's going to be around for a long time. People will talk about it and will enjoy it. This is how this rolls. Yeah, I don't know if Kyle's you've, you've listened to the podcast a lot. But, but yeah. we, we, we do. We need, we're relying on the Honey Baby to get a really fine look at this movie to get into the nitty-gritty, the specifics. Yes. Right? What's to this? take a microscope to this movie What's and look at the very fine details. Yes, mm-hmm. they bring in the woman of color afterwards, after the, the whiteies have already had their chance to talk the about the The whiteies powwowed and, and then, then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to use a term for Native Americans. And then they bring in the woman of color to say, why don't you tell us what we missed? Go ahead. Start. I'm Hit there. it. I have... How dumb are we? <laughs> Guilt trip us. You guys are so dumb. <laughs> No, it's not what I said. The macroscope. What are some of the big picture, really important things to take away from this? Wait, big picture or small? What do you want? Big to picture, small picture, all of it. I have the. I have a. I have my own picture. All right, good. Give us the the honey baby picture. The honey baby picture. I have three pages of notes. Hit but it. One of the things, and I I can't take. Stop looking at my notes, James. Get out. (laughs) I cannot take credit for everything. I did a lot of, after this movie, I spent about two days just reading reviews. And I, and with every review and every comment, and you want to talk about a great comment section, look at any comment section of a review of Get Out. And you have such powerful 
perspectives that people, different perspectives people bring in to, from how they interpreted certain scenes of the movie. Uh, one of the scenes, one of the things that I had trouble, you know, verbalizing after the movie, but another anonymous person on the internet really put together well was the power of the black woman that's shown throughout the film and the fact that Georgina, of of all the characters, she's the one who breaks out a character the most, and it shows that it, it shows a lot of things. It shows that they can't control the black woman, and I say they as the uh-huh. they those you know well-to-do liberal whites portrayed in the movie as the surgeons who are doing better, um, doing good by doing this to black people. Um, It shows that the the black woman is extremely emotional and that she's looking out for her fellow people of color. And in this particular case, oh my gosh, I forgot his name. Chris. Chris. Um, You know, I strongly believe that the grandmother, she she couldn't keep control of Georgina and Georgina would break out, and I think that she's the one who opened the closet door. She's the one who put the pictures in the closet door. She was trying to hint at him, get out, get out. There's something going on here. The gra- and the grandmother is on the other side is the one who unplugged the phone. Oh, you guys already did the spoilers alert, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, just okay. gotta, yeah, keep going. Spoiler city. <laughs> <Oops>. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but then in that scene in the bedroom, so powerful, and she said, why did you keep on breaking, why did you keep on plugging my phone? And she couldn't remember because it wasn't, she wasn't, he wasn't talking to the grandmother then. He was talking to the, the true black woman and she couldn't remember. And then that whole no, 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 no scene where she starts crying, but she's smiling is so powerful because it shows this, this duality where the, the old white lady and that part of her brain is trying to take over, but can't. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you don't see that as much with the black men. And I don't want to insult you know, it's not to put down the the black male character the as like being more passive or easier to to take over. I think it it isn't showing a weakness of the male so much as the strength of the black female, which isn't um, a po- you know isn't in relation to the black male's strength. And as a sidebar to that, the casting of this movie was incredible. The all the acting, especially the scene you were referencing, where she was kind of facing that duality and the and trying to reach out through it it just played like she was trying to manifest through somebody else yeah and like formulate her conversation exactly in the big picture of this through a lens that somebody else was trying to put there and she was trying to shatter that and get through it but it was still ever present for her as it is over everybody else and the casting of chris I've been reflecting on this a lot because uh, the movie obviously plays on stereotypes and um, and kind of breaking those uh, those divides and looking at things in a different way. And one of the things I loved about his character was at so many points in the movie he was using all sorts of different facial expressions to kind of portray different scenarios in which his life had taken him. We kind of addressed this with Moonlight a little bit as well, but he had such a strength and uh, ferocity during some scenes, but for the most part, he was just like everybody else, you know? A different skin tone on screen. I disagree. And there were some scenes where I really enjoyed how he kind of devolved into, there was like a childlike innocence to how he was representing himself, especially when he was crying a lot of the time and feeling powerless in those situations. That was something I took away from it. Disagree. Continue. Disagreement number one. I don't think he was like everyone else in the movie. I think he was clearly uncomfortable the entire for the entire movie. He was tense. He had a, a smile on his face that was like, oh, I'm smiling, but I'm forced. to. I don't really get what's... Why is everyone so weird around me? He was clearly... I should have said up until they got to where shit got weird, but yes. But I think even, I mean, just meeting the family, it was awkward. That first scene in the living room, it's awkward. Oh, my God. Walking up to the house, he doesn't know what Mm -hmm. to do. It's awkward. Should I hug? Should I, you know, he's uncomfortable, which I think is a representation of how a lot of black people and people of color feel around the whites. And they're like, relax. Why aren't you relaxing? What's your problem? Relax. Yeah. Can I comment on the Georgina scene real quick? Can I piggy? Yes. Um, I'm glad that the honey baby pointed that scene out because we analyzed it later on and I want to analyze it. The acting is great. If you remember that scene, the camera gets right in on her face. Remember that? Her her face fills the whole scene and it's creepy so it satisfies that element that you want for a horror movie that it's just disturbing, right? And creepy. But it's not cheap which it often is in horror movies for just the sake of being creepy. You know, like some 
some lady's face like eh. there's deeper meaning there there's there's a conflict going on like like the honey baby was just describing so it's not creepy for the sake of creepiness sake it's creepy but at the same time it's there's meaning there it's deeper there's a struggle going on mm-hmm. brilliant all right keep and that going. kind of goes back to um a good draw for the film as a whole in the cohesiveness of having a underlying subtext that you can kind of fall back to on certain scenes because in a lot of situations there are very cliched moments to the genre that exist that are there and in lots of other films where the plot is weak and there's no deeper thought besides there's somebody out there that's going to kill us or whatever um, then you miss that but in scenes like this immediately it gains so much more relevance and so much more strength through what it represents and also the underlying mystery that was happening throughout the movie as well. So it isn't just the creepy, weird person in the house. Yeah. Excellent. I have some another another direction uh, out of my three pages of notes because I'm fearing we may not be here to get, we may not be able to get through all of it. Run it down. One thing I thought of on my way over here um, was how when he's looking through the pictures, you see far more pictures of people than there are people at the house, which let you know that they, did, they had some failed experiments. Uh. And one thing that I thought about was Tuskegee and how black people have been used for research without their own, um, without consent for decades, if not centuries. And how it, how there's a, there, you know, if ethicists back in those days would defend it by saying, oh, but it's for the good of science. It's for the, there's always an excuse for dehumanizing someone for the betterment of science, for the for the white people's science. And I think that that's wow. what these people were doing. What a fantastic point. Because that was one of the things that kind of bothered me throughout this was the neurosurgeon brain transplant situation. I was, that's the only That was the only logic leap for me that you kind of have to just accept for the movie to go along. And you just provided so much context and relevance for it. That, yet, that idea that, you know, you're inherently better, so... To advance our understanding or our situation, we're going to do things this way. And it's going to be, you know, it's a little sad, but it's for the mm-hmm. better good in the long run. And then you look back 20 years and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Everything More sterilizations they did. in the Carolinas <laughs> up until the 70s. What? Everything, everything birth that... control on Puerto Rican women and leaving so many of them infertile. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, how do you think surgery was mm-hmm. in, anything in, in medicine? It's kind of amazingly terrifying. Yeah. and I th- But one, I guess... It's not a critique of the movie, but an unfortunate twist of the movie, and I'm going to give credit to... Why are you... Um, just keep going, keep going. I swear, if you <laughs> laugh at me on set, um, I want to give a shout-out to a friend of mine, who Anitan, who is um, getting her PhD in psychology right now, and she posted about this, and one of her critiques of, of, the, of the film was how it can perpetuate this idea that people of color should be afraid of receiving mental health care. Interesting. That that stigma does exist. It's a total. I mean, yeah. of course, it's a stigma. There is a mistrust in communities of color of of Western medicine for good reason. Mm-hmm. And a film like this can kind of just perpetuate that. So to provide you some context, uh, when we concluded our last episode, I blatantly said that I was far too dumb to be able to analyze this and give it the proper like grade that I would want to give it because I think I've not fulfilled it in any sort of way through my own analysis and you keep adding all these beautiful things. Which is why you guys should have waited for me. Well this is why I said too this movie gets better the more you discuss it. I said that at the end of the last episode. The mind control aspect of it. It's every every piece of it that, that almost goes into the realm of fantasy for an average viewer of the movie Mm -hmm is not fantasy for real groups of people that have been trained to see this in a certain way for very valid reasons. Mm-hmm. That's nice. wonderful. What else you got? Keep it going. Honey. Three pages of notes. Keep Roll it, going, it down. Keep it going. All right. The deer. Yes. Multiple times in the movie. Mm-hmm. At the beginning scene, and then there's the, you know, Rose isn't concerned as much as he is. He needs to go and he checks on it. There's a scene where he's looking at the deer. You, it zooms in on the deer. deer's looking at him. James made fun of me for this, but I told him I was going to say it on the podcast, and he's already la- laughing. <laughs> oh, my God. He I was just hoping it. you'd say it for the end, but keep going. This is, this is gold. <laughs> I am dead serious this when I gold. say that I thought about Bambi during that scene. He's dying. <laughs> I swear to God. Don't hit me. <laughs> 
<laughs> he acts like I abuse him. I, this is so funny. <laughs> Don't give me. I wanted you to save this. Bambi for the end because I, I agree with all of your points and we're going to keep hearing more and more points as I'm the not conversation goes. I'm not done with the deer, by the way. I wanted Bambi to be the end because that's why... That's where I find it to be kind of a stretch in life. It's not a stretch at the what? end. She's wearing a hunting outfit, like a Bambi, a deer hunter outfit. But that's not my main point. All right, keep going. The point is, there's there's this, the deer scene on the way there. Then it gets there, and he's making all these comments about deer that are that echo this racist language about a dead buck is a dead deer is a good deer is a good start or whatever. Yeah, sorry, yep. Um, but then, how does he kill the dad? How does he kill the dad? When he comes out of the room where he... Oh, went, yeah, with the, the deer The head. buck the bucks deer. Oh, man. Yep, yep. He runs him through with a rack of antlers, yeah. Yep. Oh, that was good. Yep, so he turns on him. Oh, a dead buck is a good... Whatever he says, and then he kills him with it. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, this film was brilliant. Uh-huh. It, the way... I mean, it, sometimes when you when you try to, to get this recurring sim, um, symbolism throughout films, it can be kind of tacky or over the top, but this... Jordan Peele just did a brilliant job bringing it through over and over again. And I do believe Bambi has something to do with it because he is the he is Bambi. His mother died. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just lo- <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> okay, whatever. I love that. I, I just love that point. I just don't feel like it's backed up by anything. Like, Bambi. What do you mean it's backed up by anything? What is Bambi about? I, I don't know. Bambi? I don't remember what Bambi is about, and, and honestly. Bambi's, Bambi's mom died. Bambi fucked my shit up. Bambi's mom dies, right? Yeah, Bambi's mom dies. Get shot by a hunter. Exactly. All right, but my thing is, we we had this conversation, right, but let's repeat it in the studio for for entertainment's sake. Um, Is the theme just that hunting's bad in Bambi? I don't know. I don't remember. Well, and like a kid without its mom. Well, the the, the point is this. The, The reason why I laugh and I get a kick out of it is because we have all these great points, but then we get to Bambi and the deer. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, at some point, if you were having a conversation with the director, Jordan Peele, he'd be like, yep, I did that on purpose. Yep, of course I had him stab the dad with the antlers on purpose. Of course I had him say that joke on purpose. Of course I had. But then if you're like, hey, man, did you uh, did you uh, intentionally put like a, a Bambi story? <laughs> I don't think he'd be on board. I'd be like, well, I don't nah, man, that's a stretch. Him. I can't, but I can suppose. This may be an example of convergent evolution as well oh. in the realm of storytelling because what do deers represent besides, you know, just like a part of nature that's coexisting peacefully in a situation and then for people to just come in and fuck that shit up with no right. I mean, when you analyze it that way, that same symbol, maybe he wasn't inspired by Bambi to put it in there. <laughs> but maybe then, he was subconsciously. Or maybe subconsciously, all but right, that same right, that right. same idea and that same feeling. I mean, deer hunting from growing up in Ohio is like a crazy, massive uh, financial situation and in some parts claimed necessity to controlling uh, the populations of deer that are there. But people have really strong reactions about hunting and things like that. So I double down. It's Bambi. It's another another right, another right. way to get to the same uh, maybe same analysis. Okay, let's keep. How let's am I doing? Straddling the line here. Is it good? You're doing, all right. You're doing good. <laughs> yeah. Just for the, just for the listeners, since they can't see it, James is really trying hard not to laugh. I'm I'm good. I want to see the rest of your points. I love the rest of your points. They were so much more brilliant than the Bambi one. I'm sorry. <laughs> keep going. All right. All right. Um. The obsession with the, the, this, what I'm about to say, kind of ties in with a couple of things, and that is, they're they 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 say that they're not racist. You know, uh-huh. the photographer will go into this whole conversation. We're not racist. We just think that together we can be better. Or you know, he goes into a long thing, and I'm really not giving it justice. But clearly, they are racist. But they because they admire the black body but they don't want to acknowledge that there's more to black people than just their bodies and just their good skin and just, you know, whatever. Um. They think that they're not racist because they think that they're being gracious by pointing out the, the, the benefit, the things that they're jealous about the black body for. But at the, but they, that it's, is a fantastic point. And it's, and it, and I think what Jordan Peele, I think would say <laughs> is that this is not a critique of the normal racists in America. That would be too easy. This is a critique of, of, Educated, liberal, white uh, people who think who will who will like to their the day that they die will say that they're not racist. Uh-huh. Um, not all of them, but 
that's kind of what this film is getting at. You know, they're oh, he would have voted for Obama if it's a third if he could have for a third term. I don't think that they were just saying that to ingratiate themselves as oh, we like black people. Totally, I think they really believe it. Oh, Obama. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The whole as we addressed uh, just in our own conversation after the film, the arrogance of their whole operation and family yeah. just completely solidifies the fact that you know they're so ignorant to their own micro aggressions against these people they can't they can't see past their own obsessions with the what they like about them yeah can yeah, i sec- can i second your comment real well, quick i just want to say something and that's why you see a scene where jordina is just admiring the grandmother's just admiring her black skin in the mirror i mean that's that was a brilliant scene where he sees her from outside mm-hmm. and she's in the reflection and she's just constant and there's multiple scenes where georgina is just looking at herself she's admiring her youth the good skin that the the whole you know the idea that Black people don't age. I mean, that's something that, that, that idea that, what is it? What's the saying? Black don't crack. I mean, that's a little. Um, <laughs> it is a saying. <laughs> All right, there it's you a go. Saying. I've heard and it so, said to And so to, yeah. like, to have these people who are afraid of dying then decide that they are going to inhibit the black body because they will, they'll admit that the black body is better, but their minds are better. It, it just goes on, it just uh-huh. plays on all of these stereotypes. Brilliant. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, appreciate what you just said uh the director kudos to the director for not going after the low-hanging fruit of the obvious racist in society mm-hmm. and going for that that challenge of the liberal the liberal racist right and you saw how easy it was to have done that just by having the one character there was the brother character in there yeah because his racism was not Overt. veiled at all mm-hmm. um and I, I saw references to the the knight's helmet that he had in his car. What was his car? The I don't even remember what his car was. I'll tell you. Tell me. It was a white Supra. White Supra. Super white. white. <laughs> or white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um the other comment I wanted to make because you just closed on it was the valuing of the body and the skin and the and all that stuff and not any regard for the mind that's that's inside of it. Um. Kyle knows this one too because Kyle's a big fan of American football. The whole racist ass stereotype that only the white guys can be the coaches and the quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. And the black guys are the ones that are really good at just running around, you know? I do like football, and I'm also highly aware how fucked up it is. That, that so. stereotype has existed yeah. <laughs> for a long time. It took the NFL forever to even have their first black NFL head coach. Still, almost all the quarterbacks. It still persists. It's a, it's a complicated conversation, and we could save it for some other time. Maybe when we spin off into a sports podcast. Or whatever. <laughs> but like, we see it in this movie, but we see it play out in society. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the girl later on is watching. You know, she's looking for her next yes. victims. Yeah. Where's she going? She's not going recruits. up to like. She's not going into like you know like. <clears throat> Minority message boards where people are all doctors and lawyers and stuff. She's like, oh, NCAA athletes. Who? Mm-hmm. Total trophy hunting, if you will. Professional yeah. sports yeah. is a prime example of not even trying to hide racist uh, uh-huh. agendas, and it's extremely sad. Here's another little bit of a conspiracy theory that I saw in some comments, and I thought about it too, and um, I want to share with you all. And that is the idea of the television being used to hypnotize him. Mm. Going back onto this idea of how do, how do we hypnotize people, I think that there is, there is a deeper message there to how people and people of color can be hypnotized by television. And that's why he's chained down, sitting there, watching the screen. He can't help but watch the screen. And that's how you get him away from his true humanity and his mentality. And he started the movie, or rather, he started his timeline that we have revealed by watching the television while his mom had been hit by a car and was dying and you know he was frozen obviously he didn't know that scenario but to go uh to just be captivated by that and be sucked in by that you see it you see his break away from it and then the the pullback no 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 and the physical manifestation of like chaining him there and keeping him glued to his TV set and, that, and how does he get away wait can I can I comment on that quick before you go to that one yes you because can. you and I talked about that one and we both appreciate it we don't have a TV in our house the honey baby and I and we talked about it right after we saw the movie that's a lifetime of TV will numb you to your own humanity it will yeah. nullify your own humanity to an extreme degree in this movie where you'll sit there not knowing what should be a very knee-jerk reaction to not knowing where your own mother is. You should call out to her. 
She called out to her. All organisms, all oh, that's that's a sh- yeah, not all organisms, but many organisms will do that. Mm-hmm. You know, their their guardian or their parent or whatever is missing or you know the, the whole nest but syndrome. He was paralyzed by fear. He was a young boy. I mean, you can't you can't yeah, but, blame yeah. him for this. But we talked about the symbolism of TV doing that to him as a young man and then being used as a tool against him as an adult. Yeah, but that's the thing. Everything <clears throat> that was a tool against him as a young man, he overcame later in the film. The television yes. paralyzed him, but he then used the master's tools, picking the cotton and stuffing it in his ears Brilliant. to get around the master's tool of hypnotism to be able to seek his own freedom. He wasn't able to do that as a young boy. He wasn't strong enough. If I may quote Malcolm X, the white man made the mistake of teaching me his own history. Mm. I mean, the (laughs) the cotton picking scene? Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. I mean, just brilliant. Something I absolutely missed while we were watching the movie. <laughs> so thank y'all. That was an easy South, one. So I, I, yeah. I'm really, where'd you grow up? South Carolina. South Carolina. South Carolina. Excellent. Yes. All right, keep going. What else you got? Uh, Excellent. I suppose I know nothing about uh, South Carolina. Yeah, cotton, big history <laughs> in South Carolina. Anyways, um, what else? What else? I mean, where do I start? The Asian man. Let's talk about the Asian man. I was very confused when I first saw him because you see this, you see this, uh, you see this group of white people, and then you see this Asian man in the middle, and you wonder why? Why is he? He doesn't fit in. He's different. He's an older man. He's Asian. He's clearly trying to get in with this group. And then someone posted an Asian man. I can't, I can't remember the blog I read it on. Posted just a brilliant essay about this is the symbolism of the white, the Asian man trying to be that model minority and trying to assimilate to being white. Whoa. So much that, but and you can tell this because his first question to him was something along the lines of, "What is it like to be black? Is it a worse experience?" Because mm. this Asian man has been—he wants to be white, uh-huh. and he's been different his whole life. But now all these white people want to take over the black people, and he doesn't. That to him is like, "Wait, why am I going that way? I'm trying to be white." Uh-huh. He would much rather take over a white person's body if he could. So I think that there's something really deep there about how other minorities can be complicit in racism without even knowing it in their fear of being treated it, of, of being a victim of the racism that they have already been a victim to and see people in their community communities be victims to. They want to be a part of that big club, man. They want to assimilate I wrote this down just now. They want to assimilate to the point of normalizing wickedness. Like the, the guy doesn't even realize like what club did I fucking join, you know? Mm-hmm. He's kind of into it. Like Tell me, is am I shopping around for the right model here, Chris? But he's but right? he's hesitant. He's not as convinced as the white people, which shows that he's he as a, someone who has experienced racism in his own life, he fears that he's going to experience even more. Whereas mm. the white people are so arrogant that they think that oh, because I'm smart, my brain, yeah, and because we're going to be all in our crowds, it doesn't matter if I have the young black body. I'm still my white brain. Whereas the Asian man is far more hesitant, which shows his racism. There is a lot of racism in communities of color, unfortunately. Um, Bummer. (laughs) I fucking hate... (laughs) Again. That's his response. Again. As you're talking about this, the the only thing that's going through my mind is I fucking hate racism. And like, (laughs) and how can we sit here, and I mean, I guess this is a, a point of what we're talking about. How can we sit here and be able to have this discussion, and yet this is so much of a problem that is still so prevalent, even on a level that is, like, subtroverted to, you know, just overt, like, hatred of other people, Mm -hmm. and how, like, fucked up that is to have a historical and, like, cultural background of, like established patterns of racism that have like shaped major institutions of like what we're a part of or this entire country yeah so (laughs) like making a constitution everyone is free except for Mm -hmm. our slaves yeah and the slavery imagery throughout this film brilliantly done i i cannot take credit for this but when i read this i I probably sat with my arms up for like 20 minutes i can't i can't believe it i read that in the days of slavery, those dark days of American history, um, the to, to summon a house slave, they would often tinkle like with the spoon, oh, fuck. the teacup. <laughs> God damn it! So the hypnotizing, exactly. So the hypnotizing of of 
of the, the bodies that they took over was reminiscent of how they would summon the house slaves. I was a perfect control to observe this movie because there's so much history and things like this that, I mean, probably nobody knows all of this, but this is a compilation of internet knowledge, everybody coming together talking about this. But as I was watching the film, I was thinking to myself, there's two groups of people that are going to enjoy this movie, which is awesome, because that's when you get something really good. Because Mm -hmm. this same sort of conversation and story could have been told in a way that was highly inaccessible to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But it was formed into a a genre picture and using comedy, which is often a way that people try and convey difficult messages, but it, it just made it so much more accessible to so many people. And I'm learning a lot just through our conversation right now about some of these finer details to things. But as we were watching it, I was hung up with the fact that it was just so good at playing both sides of the coin that I was missing so much on both fronts too because I would get absorbed into the plot and then I was like, wait, now I have to pay attention to all the little things that are going on Mm -hmm. and the way that they're saying everything. And it's a a really good example of trying to get the best information into as many hands as possible as well. And to comment on the comedy, one, another powerful scene is, you know, the the comedy is mostly reserved for the TSA agent. I can't remember his name. Rod. Rod, the friend. (laughs) You've said that like eight times so far. You're the Rod guy. Because I prepared, so I want to use the notes I made. (laughs) His name is Rod. Rod. All right. Thank you for your contribution. Uh, (laughs) Rod, Uh when he goes to the other police, the other police officers, or I think they were police officers, they weren't other TSA agents, and he presents the story to them they're all people of color mm-hmm. and they all laugh in his face oh it's so good and powerful mm-hmm. because it shows how sometimes when even people of color get into po- into positions of power or privilege they get out of touch with their own brothers and sisters um, in the struggle who aren't in those powers uh, aren't don't have that position of privilege or power um, I think about Ben Carson a lot when I think about that scene. I think about someone who has a lot of power and prob- and has a very privileged background. We don't know anything about the backgrounds of those officers in, the, in that particular scene. Mm-hmm. But we know that they just laughed in his face and they could not fathom. They thought that it was more likely that this young guy married a woman two and a half times his age and started becoming a hipster in the middle of nowhere than like something's actually <laughs> happening mm-hmm. and just laughed in the guy's face rather than trying to help him. And I think that there there's something powerful to be said there about um, not trust not not trusting people, not trusting people from your community, especially um, when you've made it out, quote unquote, mm-hmm. how you have this disdain and this power over those other people, um, those those people from your community. And it never it never falls into an area that's too dramatic or too analyzed because the situation is somewhat fantastical throughout. So it gives you another layer of two cohesive plot lines that are kind of running parallel to each other all throughout, mm-hmm. which is great. All right, what else you got? More. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Three and a half pages. Um, her <laughs> Let's name. Let's do it. What's her name? Rose. The girl? Rose. Rose. What do you think about her name? Thorny. Thorny Butte. They're thorny and beautiful. It's not an accident. I mean, it's it's really clever. A rose is beautiful, but it's also it's going to make you bleed if you pick it too fast or if you touch Ooh. it. Yeah. She touched everything that touched her or bled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. What else you got? She's wearing horse riding, like that horse riding colonial white like gear at the end. Like wear it. Why? I mean, that's not an accident. It's kind of weird. Like if she's chilling around the house, who chills around the house and like horse boots with a giant rifle nearby. You know, that scene at the end where she comes out with the rifle, that's not an accident. She's hunting. It's like she got into costume. Bambi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bambi. <laughs> it's coming back. Uh, all right. What um, else you got? At that end scene, God, when that cop car shows up before you see that TSA, everybody, you cannot be American who's been alive in the past five years of, of the year, I mean, the past year of America, and so and you see that scene, and you see the cop show up, and you think in your head, shit, he made it all the way out, and that cop's about to shoot him, uh-huh. because they're going to think, they're going to see him on top of her, and assume that she is the victim, and she thought that too, because she put out that little pathetic, help, 
sickening. Uh-huh. She knew she had that power. She knew she could do that. And as yep. soon as that TSA became visible, the audience in the movie theater erupted. And it was like one of the best one of the best feelings inside. You're just like, yes, yes, it's his friend. He made it. Such relief. He's not going to, you know, but it's sad. It's telling of our times that we feared for his life. And I was movie. I was fully absorbed, fully thought it was going to be the police officer. James, I know that you didn't. I did not. You were, you were on, you knew where I was going. But uh, it, exactly what you were saying. It was impossible for most people not to be in that situation. And it's interesting that that, that, clouded my thought process while I was watching it of now reflecting, boy, what an unsatisfying ending that would have been had that occurred. Because one of the pioneering horror films that tackles a lot of racial and social uh, commentary is, believe it or not, the Night of the Living Dead series started in that manner. And the film ends in a remarkably similar way, the original film, with a uh, white lady and a black man being left uh, surviving in this household afterwards and basically the army kind of comes in at the end and uh, and they think that they're being saved and then they end up just getting wasted and shot <laughs> like instantly and that's like the end of the movie and it's such a downer and it has big uh, ramifications uh, for the subtext of that film but I was like, oh my god, I'm so glad it didn't end like that. It would have been a... <sighs> it would have defeated a lot of the purpose of the film, too, I think. I don't think it would have defeated. I think it actually would have... would have, It would have highlighted the purpose of the film that he... You know, white liberals are complicit. I would have lost hope. I, it would have been... But that's... Exi- but who had... But who... Who has hope to lose? That's true. Interesting. And so I think that while it would have been a less triumphant ending we wouldn't have left the movie feeling good about ourselves it's probably more reflective of American society if the cop had shot him at the end because he would have made it through all of this it shows the adversity everything that he's gone through without a mother on his own mm-hmm. and then to get shot by a cop when, he, cop when he's innocent can I drop a little trivia on you sure we talked about this in, in round one of Get Out surprise and is, according to an article I read on the internet the original ending by the director Peel has Chris, in fact, getting arrested by a cop at the end. I, and he decided to change it to be a, an uplifting, triumphant ending as opposed to one that maybe society doesn't need another downer at this point because reality has presented enough of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the, he changed it. Okay, I'm glad. And I suspected that there, you know, because it's the end of the movie and it's so easy to change it last scene, I suspected that there was a lot of thought about what who's going to be in that car when it pulls out. Yeah, it was an easy moment to interchange, right? Mm-hmm. But we mentioned this on... on but brilliant that you could get to a point where that could... You could be one. presented with either scenario. And for a split second, it was real. And it was real for Chris. And the whole situation the was un- unfolding that way. So you went there. You saw the, the timeline. You saw the historical events. All the horrors that have really happened. Mm-hmm. And then they provided you with the elation of reminding you that this is a horror comedy... Uh, social justice film and and gave you a, a slightly more uplifting finale to it. Yeah. Right, what else you got, Lila? Oh, honey baby. Oh, you have to edit that. Take a time mark on it. Shit. Anyways. That. Wait, wait, don't start it. He's a... Okay. You got it? Yeah. Okay. Another, a scene from the end that I appreciate is when he's driving off with the grandmother, you know that Georgina, he knows... You know, we all know that Georgina is grandma, mm-hmm. but he still can't turn her down because he sees her as a black woman. He know he he hopes that he can get her out from in there, and so he drives off with the grandmother. And that scene, because Georgina has been, uh, for lack of a better term, she's been docile throughout the whole film. She's been mm-hmm. um, sweet and just fixing herself, and a little weird at those times when she, you know, she bursts out of character, quote unquote. But then in that car, she flips out at him. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. And that is the that is the unfettered, uncontrolled grandmother mm, coming out. Mm-hmm. And you fucked up or whatever, you fucked up my life or whatever she yells at him like you're ruining my life, you're ruining this. And it, and it's it's interesting to see that. Um it's also interesting that the uh Walter shoots himself immediately. That end scene. Did you all talk about that yet? No. How he he shoot. Who does he? Sh- he shoots. Um, he shoots Rose. He shoots Rose, and then mm-hmm. he, without a hesitation, shoots himself. And it's like he doesn't. He would rather be dead 
than risk the grandfather taking him over again, which is powerful mm-hmm. and deep, and the and the lack of hesitation and the whole you know don't try to try to just continuously get me out by flashing something in my face. I'll, I'll try to overcome. No, he gave up. He was too deep in the sunken place and just. Damn. We talked about that. I figured I I said that he for the first time perhaps in a really long time he had a moment of clarity where the original where the original inhabitant of that black body like oh my god I have I have a split second of control. I'm not in the sunken place, but I'm I'm risking spending an eternity in that sunken place and we saw a visual representation of that sunken place. It's like hell, you know, it's like a black pit where your entire reality is reduced to a little view screen, right? And so he's like, screw this, boom. He's also tired Out. because the grandfather is using his body to get over the fact that he lost in the Olympics. Yeah. So that he is, he's, he's in the sunken place and he's physically exhausted and he would just rather die. And he doesn't, it does not take him more than a second to come to that conclusion. That was intense. Yeah. That was one of the few things that surprised me about the movie because we talked about this. I spent a, a way too much time actually kind of correctly predicting every mark along the way. I expected Chris to bring him along and try to rescue him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he realized, oh my God, you just saved my life. You're still in there somewhere. You're, you're still in there original. We've never given his original uh, black man's name. Oh, by the way, name's a big thing in this movie too. Well, mm-hmm. I think that maybe they are Georgina and Walter. I oh, think those I thought are that the was grandparents' names, and not the. They, I think. Oh, of course are, they are. Yeah, they, they. Oh, we don't know that. Right. Of what not. I'm saying, we don't know the original black man's the name. The vessels. Yeah. Well, because that's another remnant of slavery. Of course, yeah. It's Malcolm X right have, there. Mm-hmm. Don't to, yeah. They don't need to have names. We'll give them new names. Yep. So I, I, I actually expected Chris to rescue him. And when he put the gun under his chin, I was like, oh, shit. He, he's in there, but he's deciding to end it as opposed to fight for his own existence. If you but know. he is fighting in a way, too. But yes. The, his, he's fighting his captor. He's right. destroying yeah, his captor. Yeah. Exactly. He's taking out the last person that he can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One um, for one, baby. If you got to take one out. If you're going to die, take one out with you, right? Especially if they're racist assholes. (laughs) Um, Another question I had um, was about this brother, the brother character. The brother was clearly tormented. He was wasted at that first dinner. He he was the one who really let you in that there's something weird going on here. Mm -hmm. And he would make comments at the dinner, oh, you always need to be one step ahead. How much do you weigh? How much can you bench? How much can you do... You got the, and then at one point the dad said to him, "This sit this one out or something along like that." Made me think later on that the brother wanted his body. The brother, mm. the brother didn't want to wait to get old. He was a skinny little like, not powerful, not potent, you know, looking white male, and he wanted to be strong. He wanted to to be attractive. He see, he's surrounded by people who are admiring the black body and he was in medical school and he thought he already had the brain. So let me go on ahead and transplant. Let me go on ahead and do it. And I think that you my 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 hypothesis is furthered when you look when you think about the auction scene when the brother is looking away looking on and that look on his face is anger but also jealousy. I think he wanted uh, Chris's body. That's a really solid point. It's fair assessment. Um, I think that also it's no surprise that the brother was in medical school and he wanted to be a neurosurgeon too because they needed someone to continue oh, yeah. to do it. Um, and that's that. I mean, you can talk about um, what is called heredity when you like pass something on. Uh-huh. But what do you, when you pass something on, that's like a, like money or a house inheritance. Inheritance, like that's his inheritance, is that he's going to get the power and the privilege of. And the money and the title of doing of uh-huh. doing this next, because the family's making money off of it. And they're not going to waste a nice young black vessel on an already young guy. Exactly. You know, exactly. so he's not allowed, and he has to be white and reign supreme for as long as possible with his family until you know his frail body shuts down, and then you can you know. But how does he cope with that by being on. an alcoholic and an asshole? Uh-huh. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, continue that point a little bit more because um, one of the things I picked on very early, picked up on very early in the movie, is this <laughs> ridiculous pursuit of immortality and power um, that occurs in like white hierarchical male societies. Like they just can't let go of power. Mm-hmm. It kills. I can be honest here, right? I can talk about my own race, right? It fucking kills white people in power. 
to know that other groups might have that that that, 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 a, a that the field that the field of play may get leveled out. We've seen this in athletics. We've seen it in politics. Right? Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. kills them to know that their grip on power and immortality is slipping away, or on life. Mm-hmm. And so you get like this ridiculous worship of like hierarchies and and like the like kings and queens and princes of England. Who gives a shit about them? Like, why the fuck do we have in our magazines and in, in our country? Pictures of some old ass queen who, who doesn't mean shit, but she's towed around and celebrated as if she's gonna live forever. We have that's our. Why, that's why I love that Prince Harry is dating a woman of color. I was so happy when I saw all the British people get upset. I yeah, but fuck it. him too. You know, he's he's part of the whole problem. Anyway, he, he, he renounced the throne and be like, "Yeah, I'm just a regular guy." Like, is he I, the I, one that wore the Nazi costume to the Halloween party? He's that coming one around, evidently. Okay, <laughs> I want to make sure I was thinking of the same person. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's okay. why I was like, "Well, interesting." But either way, we, huh. we have our own versions here in the United States. The Clintons, right? Just go, the, go away already, right? Yeah, I saw that. The Henry Kissingers, who who don't think that any society of brown people anywhere on the earth are capable of self governance, right? It's this, like, ridiculous obsession with power and living forever and ruling forever. Mm-hmm. And it's sickening, you know? It really is. And it's to have, in this world, to have your name be everywhere and to have that power, it directly equates to your money, you know? Yeah. And and that's one of the other interesting flip sides of this is, does anybody need as much money as these families and these groups have? And the answer all throughout history has been no. Clearly, if there was any sort of balancing act that could take place, nobody needs as much as the top have. And just like you're saying, to relinquish that control or to balance out or to in any way reduce your amount of power from extreme to overwhelming, but not extreme, <laughs> is like a defeat in, some, in, in our society and throughout the world. It's just seen as, as a, a total let go of that. And that was so interesting. Here, of course, they, they take it a step further, like we were referencing. And not only do they buy their power in their youth and have this organization, they're literally buying people and transplanting themselves into their youthful bodies instead of just passing it along to their youthful sons and daughters and people that come from them, which yeah. is, in essence, the same situation. Well, to, to, to swing back to what you were just saying about, swing oh, it. whatever. I'm really bad with idioms, so I don't know if you're making fun of me if I really said that wrong or not. But anyways, to go back to what I you just were say stuff. saying <laughs> about, like, from, ex- from that extreme power to overwhelming and mm-hmm. how that's so taunting or daunting... For some, <laughs> speak three languages. Sometimes I mess up. Anyways, <laughs> um, for people, uh, I always think, I thought about this quote, which is, and I hope I'm getting this right, in the eye of the oppressor, equality feels like oppression. Unbelievable. That's it. This is why you guys have me come in once, once every two years. I, like, you won't yeah. even need me for another two years. It's like Chris Rock said, Shaq is rich. The guy who pays Shaq is wealthy, right? <laughs> so they'll, oh, Keep, did you buy another Cadillac, son? Keep throwing that ball through the hoop. Who, like, who has the actual power here, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's and who will never relinquish it? Well, it's it's similar to the whole, like, yeah, I'll let you be a little maybe rich, but right. if you ever come close it's a facade to my level. as opposed yeah. to a quality. Yeah. Exactly like what yeah. we're going through with here. Okay. All right, keep going. A scene that I think about often is the scene where the mother, I think it's right before the um, she hypnotizes him. She says, does my daughter, do you smoke in front of my daughter? <laughs> that was a good line. And I think that's interesting because clearly they're upset that he smokes and they're ups- and they're upset that they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so the question isn't like, are you being a bad example in, my, in front of my daughter? The question is, did my daughter really not tell me that you smoke? Mm. That's what it's getting at. Well, I, I thought we had discussed this and it was more of the, are you damaging our product no i'm saying i i absolutely and they're upset that they didn't know because they don't think that he's a good candidate if he smokes because yeah. he's damaging the product mm-hmm. so the question isn't they know he smokes so then now the question is did my daughter know and purposefully not tell me which I is why she says do you do it in front of my daughter mm-hmm. i see what you're saying you're, you're hinting that the daughter like kind of slipped up on the job a little bit like yes like she didn't do a full report out on this guy yeah know? exactly She's 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 no there's no redeeming qualities to her though yeah. Rose. No, I'm not saying that she yeah. did it out of a good, for, yeah. out of the goodness of her heart. <laughs> Whatever that would mean. Um, I think that 
the if anything it was evil like she thought that he had this great body and he was great at this and he has he's smart and he's blah 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 all these things so let's just stop not worry that he smokes and i'll try to get him to quit smoking mm-hmm. whereas the mother is like oh shoot you could have kidnapped a better one <laughs> can i uh can i make a comment right now you can to, to, James to always lighten, ask to let no <laughs> oh, get out of here you <laughs> he does we have ask this all recorded all um can i piggy yeah exactly <laughs> Speaking of um, not knowing the full disclosure on the product, here's what I'm, I'm going to start with a small effing plot hole. Mm. Can I start with a small effing plot hole? You can. Small effing plot hole is the movie The movie opens, oh, small effing plot hole, the movie opens with an abduction scene, right? The white Supra, boom, the guy's like, fuck this shit, I'm out of here, and he's trying to escape. Mm-hmm. There's and power he, in that scene too, and I haven't gotten to it, but anyways. Yeah, well, we, yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right, so they abduct the guy. Uh, the small effing plot hole is why don't they just abduct them all? Why do you go through this whole show, this whole spectacle of like charming a guy for the weekend and using your daughter as bait and um, have them have develop a relationship for how many months? Four months they were dating? And and deal with like the risks of like fucking that up and when you just previously just snatched the guy off the street. Why don't you just snatch him off the street? I understand why, because then there's not a movie, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just a kidnapping ring. Well, but, you know, like, it's, it's a little bit of a logical no, in- inconsistency. I, there is a little bit of a logical inconsistency, and there wouldn't be a film without it, but I also would argue that you run the risk of damaging the quote-unquote goods by throwing them into a trunk or doing something like that, or they might escape, or they might harm themselves or kill, you know? And I you think they, they let Junior do it his way every once in a while, because... You Did know. they say that? Yeah. No, but that's my impression of it. Because every oh, once in a while, okay. they right. just kind of let him talk, and they're just like, uh. And they don't, you know, instantly, like, shut him up and send him on his way, you know? They let him get way into his conversation with because Chris he's about... he's a young white male with privilege. Right, because they don't give a shit, you know? And right, and I'll, it's I'll and it's that arrogant. Okay, I will let him do his thing. Okay, go kidnap one. But they, probably fuck it up. Right. You'll feel, but you'll feel powerful. Right. And then they and then of course their preferred method is the way that she's probably been doing it. All right, I want to segue into my huge fucking plot. Oh, here we go. Get back on track. Small to huge. Um, I, hang on, but I want to before we segue, I want to f- swing back. Swing back to what you just said because there's also this idea of like, of of this. It's almost like sexual, like they just want to like get before they get to the finals, like this whole foreplay, this whole show, this whole uh, arrogance. Totally. They're so sure of themselves and the way that they're doing it that they almost want to like it's like a continual patting themselves on the back. Oh look, uh-huh. let's put him on display. Let's bring all of our friends over. Let's make such a big deal out of it. Let's see how much money we can make off of it. They it's relish arrogance. it. Arrogance. They love it. It's they love the pomp and circumstance of it, their own Exactly. Yeah, situation. you know what? I, I I'm gonna deliver my huge effing plot hole, but I feel like my huge, f- huge fucking plot hole is actually being shot down right oh, now. Oh, is it? Is it unraveling? That's what I'm it's here unraveling. For. Poor ravel. That's what I'm here the, for. The ravel of my plot hole. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound right. It anyway, doesn't. continue. <laughs> uh, we mentioned this in part one. I'm gonna mention it quickly in part two. As far as I'm concerned, while I was watching the movie, the huge fucking plot hole is the mere fact that Walter, Georgina, and then Logan, the friend who gets snapped out of it by the by the flash of his camera. Why are they anywhere near that fucking place? And and we've talked about it now, so mm-hmm. I, you can see the the unraveling of my huge problem. They are arrogant, and if they did rely solely on kidnapping, then they wouldn't they wouldn't be convincing to themselves that they aren't in fact racist. Like they'll let their their ignorant redneck violent son run around and kidnap people in a brute way, but they're the more sophisticated type, right? So they'll put on a whole spectacle and a whole mm-hmm. show because remember we would vote for Obama. We're not really racist. We're mm-hmm. we're doing this the right way. You guys, you know, you people have better bodies. Yeah, you have. We're look. We're willing to celebrate how you have superiority in this realm, but we're really better in this realm. So maybe my huge fucking plot hole isn't so huge, but I still stand by the by the whole uh, idea that if you really wanted to get this, if you really wanted to pull this off, no problem. You would not have Georgina or Walter or Logan anywhere near that fucking that's house. That's the arrogance. That's the it's arrogance. arrogance. You would be like, hey, Walter, hey, granddad, let, let me make sure. Am I talking to granddad here? Mm-hmm. Yes, you don't have to ask me that again. Okay, granddad, we're bringing in Chris, you know, the photographer guy. We're going to bring in a lot of money for his body. Just hang out for a little while. Go away for a little while. Okay, i got to keep this going. Our legacy, our immortality. So they're so arrogant that they, they fuck it all up. And they wouldn't need 
a party. They wouldn't need anybody realistically even to come. They no. could do this all on the internet. You know, they could do it. They could do it on the phone. They could do it by telegram. They they don't need to do any of the shit that they're doing. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's but the, it's the old show. way. It's the show. It's the it's the show with yeah. the arrogance. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, it's right. the royal wedding. <laughs> I often think about the the photographer because he they taken off his scalp and removed part of his brain and then all shit hit the fan so he just died like that yeah fuck him he fucking did yeah and that's fuck him peace (laughs) (laughs) all right we are gonna have to start wrapping it up so give me give me your final okay thoughts sunken place yes there's just so much that you can go in about that what does it mean sunken like physically if someone has like is sunken they're sunken in their seat it's like they're down that sunken place. There's not. I, I want to give a deeper thought. I don't have anything powerful to say about it, but there's some. There's definitely something to be said about the sunken place and how in this film only black people go to the sunken place. And what does that say about our society mm-hmm. and the greater sunken place of American society and and people of color in America? I think Kyle said it best earlier. Bomber. Well, I would also like to say that I would. I would like to disagree Comedy with podcast, Kyle. Right? <laughs> I would like to disagree with Kyle. Please do. Because at the beginning, he said this was a, all in all, this is a good film. I doubled down. This was a brilliant, it was. excellent, deep, powerful, almost perfect film. And I have almost no criticism of it. Would you like to give it a grade? A plus, plus, plus. Oh my God, you so easily are A plus, plus, plus. There you wow. go. We fucked up. We've only oh, I forgot to say one last thing that was so important. Moonlight I'm going to dive back had, in. Uh, more pluses. The, the role of the cell phone. Oh, yes. On mm. how cell phones... I mean, you've got these old, mm-hmm. like, geriatric society people. They don't use cell phones. They don't understand any of it. Then you got this young guy come in, and he... What is he going to do? He's going to put a light on the, 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 the evil that they're doing, the brutality, if you will. It's totally a reflection of how um, pe- people in America are becoming more aware of what has always been happening, which is police brutality against communities of color, predominantly black men um, and Native Americans. But with the advent of the cell phone, you can actually, you, you don't, it's not just my word against yours. There is proof. And that's what he did. And the fact that the phone was able to get them out of that hypnosis, it wakes people up. Uh-huh. I mean, there's so, there's so much power in the telephone. And the fact that she kept wanting to unplug it, she knew that, that, that she was taking the power away there's so much power there, and she wanted to, the grandma wanted to take it away. That's a plus plus. I I could go on for days. Kind of help her out a here. A plus plus. <laughs> she just the honey baby just had her James moment. She got so flustered with with mm-hmm. with, with positivity about something. She's like, I I I can't I can't. Kyle, help her out here. It's classic. It's a brilliant it film. Is Everyone should go see it. Absolutely. And again, I'll stand by my statement that I don't feel like I'm smart enough to be able to watch this on my own and to get everything out of it, which is why these conversations have been great. I don't think a lot of people are. I think that's exactly why this is so surprising and fun. I don't, I don't want to call it fun, but it is fun. It's fun to like reflect on a good movie that was thoroughly entertaining from tip to stern. Again, it, putting... Putting all of this content that we're discussing right now into, let's reflect on it again, literally a Hollywood comedy horror genre film that, like, when you read the plot description to it, it's, like, absurd, you know? It's fantastical. It's it's bizarre. Oh, the first time we saw the preview, we laughed. We thought yeah. it looked so bad. And look at how loaded it is. Like every plus plus every, plus. T- every tip and stern. I gave it an A before, and <clears throat> maybe the more conversations we have, it'll it'll get that plus afterwards. But my inability to access it in my own right is my own ignorance, and yet it is what is keeping me from adding that plus onto it. But a solid, solid A. Can I tell one last joke? I fear for all yeah, of us. Yeah, here we go. The Honey Baby did, in fact, do a ton of research after we watched the movie. She couldn't stop talking about it for like two straight days, Kyle. Yes. And he told me to shut up at one point. I got some of them. I was I was gifted some uh, insight. Right. Finally, at one point, I turned to the Honey Baby. I go, oh, Honey Baby, I found one more one more symbolic moment in the movie. She goes, what, what was it? I go, do you remember when Chris took the picture of that guy and he snapped out of the trance? Yeah. I go, the guy ran up to Chris and grabbed him by the shoulders. And what did he say? Get out. <laughs> and I go, that's the title of the movie. 
I was just having fun with the Honey Baby because she was finding so many things that I wanted to just like spoof the 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 amount of analysis going into it. Mm-hmm. He told him, "Get out." What's the title of the movie? Get out. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Fucking Stanley Kubrick up in this bitch. He can't handle the depth. <laughs> it's he's just he's sour about Bambi as to what it is. Never he doesn't know the sunken place. No. And on that note <laughs> On that note We're out of time. Whoa, this is a mega episode. Mega episode. Thank you all for having me. Thank you so much, the honey baby, <laughs> for being here. You're very welcome. Thank you, James, as always. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Loud on the set with Kyle and James. And today, The Honey Baby. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Wow, this has been exciting. We need to hear more. So send us mail, loudonthesetatgmail.com. You can find us on YouTube, iTunes, anywhere you find podcasts. We're there. Go and see this movie if you haven't. I hope we didn't just spoil it all for you. <laughs> we did. See it again. Because all this, I want to see it again now. Absolutely. And support this because brilliant. I want to keep reading analysis. So send us stuff. Let us know what you think. And if you saw it, go see it again. See you later. Bye. And cut.